Welcome, world. I am your wonderful host, Destiny Jones, from the Girl in a Wheelchair podcast. And in today's episode, I will be talking a little bit more about family and parenting with my beautiful guest, my mom from Mad Woman Podcast. Good afternoon, everyone. I am Maria Cook. And I, like Destiny said, I am her mother. And I am the host of Mad Women Podcast, moving ahead with determination, not allowing your circumstances or situations to keep you stuck. Awesome. So we will be talking about managing daily tasks, like at least mm, managing daily tasks from, I guess you'll do your perspective and, well, I could do my perspective on like how I manage my task, and then how my task affect you, if that makes sense. So, okay. like, transporting in and out of the car, going about our day, just shopping, you know. We're both shopaholics, so that means we go in and out of the car, in and out of stores, in and out of whatever. So, my perspective on how I feel about managing these tasks, they're draining. It's... um draining. I feel like it's draining because A, I feel like the chair or her picking up the chair 24-7 at each stop is something that she shouldn't really be doing. Now, do I want to be doing it? No. As a whole, I don't think it should, you know, be taking place, obviously, because I don't want to be in the chair because I didn't ask to be in the chair. And that's something I can't control. However, I still am affected by my daily tasks like shopping or going to the restroom or um, going on family vacations or going on vacations for just leisure. Um, So I guess, you know, I'm affected by just like the weight that it holds, just like, you know, the pressure, you know, just it being or me feeling like it's just too much. Um, But. I don't know. How do you feel about it? I think managing your daily, managing that part of what you're trying to describe has been something that I could talk about it, but it just never seemed like it was a burden to me. Hmm. How come? Because you're my child. And I'm your and I'm your mother. Really? Yeah. And that's a part of me taking you the good, the bad, and the ugly. And there has been some good, some bad, and some ugly with even doing that. If we're gonna specifically talk about um transporting you back and forth in the wheelchair. There have been times you'd have been in a car with me and me and you didn't got in a heated conversation. And you're like, then, get your own chair out. <laughs> exactly. Oh, <laughs> you grown, get your own chair. I have to allow you then to see that you have to respect me. Right. Because then it becomes where this is a duty. It wasn't just me. It was also your brother. Right. Your brother would have to get your chair out. It became a time where your chair would become so heavy for me. Um, I had to go and start taking, I ruptured my breast bone 
because I would pick up your chair the wrong way. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. I was going to ask you how did it affect you health-wise because I never knew about that. I do know that you have your own disability. Um, she has multiple sclerosis, and she's had it since 18, 19. Well, I was diagnosed three months after you became paralyzed. So that wasn't 18, 19, but you had some flare-ups. Yes, at that, I had the symptoms time. of it. It was misdiagnosed at that time. Right. But okay. diagnosed so how after does, your... So I guess how does... That, you know, you saying picking up my chair, how do you think it may affect your health? Like, you don't really see me as much now, and you don't really pick up my chair as much now because, you know, I'm in college now, and I'm, you know, I do that. But you've had a break for, like, how many years? Like, two years, maybe? So, like, how has that healing been, and, like, how have you, like, what can you say, like, looking back, how was your, your health affected? Well, like I say, one of the things was just the rupture of my breastbone. It was the back and forth picking it up. It was um, your wheelchair bruising my arms, scratching my arms, scratching my legs. We getting ready. We going to church. If you have dirt, mud on it, messing, you know, right. dirty in my messing clothes. Messing up Sunday's best. Yes, mm. messing up my clothes. Um, but not regretting it and definitely not complaining about it because it wasn't who, like you said, who was there to complain to. Right. It wasn't going to change it. But it was allowing you, like you say, get your own chair because it was allowing you to understand that you couldn't take that for granted. You needed to see that as a courtesy or you need to see appreciative, be a more appreciative of it to understand that this is somebody that is doing something for me. And now, especially that you're having to do it yourself, you're having to weigh this burden on your own. You you probably do appreciate the fact that being your brother would always get your yeah. chair out of the car for you versus him. It took away a little bit of my independence, but it was kind of like molding me for what I know that I was going to have to do later in life. You yeah, know? and even when you had to get it yourself, it's not like you didn't. Yeah, that's true. It helped you be stronger of yeah. a person because, once again, we're talking about destiny, <laughs> determined. Right. I knew that when I said get your own chair, it wasn't like you was going to sit in that car and just cry until I came back out. Yeah, and I was already done when you even attempted to come back. Exactly, <laughs> or even your brother. Right. And... It's been plenty of times I've been tired and I've had to get it. Your brother had to get it or get your chair out and you got to get groceries. Right. Um, It's pouring down raining. Right. We got to get the chair out. But we didn't have a hand. We didn't have a handicapped sticker either. Right. I refused to get the <laughs> handicap decal. That and a handicap mobile. She did not want to be one of those moms with the minivan and handicap sticker in fact i just got my own handicap sticker the other day like like a month ago because i got a ticket for parking in the handicap mind you like america i had been parking in handicap this whole time like i was like yeah pull me over or give me a sticker and i promise you i'm gonna be right up at that courthouse and i sure did and i told that i need to speak to officer more uh 
I need you to do something with this ticket. And he sure did. He took it off, you know, because he could understand where I was coming from due to his injury that he had while being a police officer on duty. He fell off his motorcycle and got bammed up and had fractures from here and there and there and there. And, you know, he had to then get a handicap sticker. And so it was like, it was relatable. So I wasn't just coming from nowhere, just trying to just be a a a-hole. Like I was really coming from like a place of, I shouldn't have to sit here and have just this one thing when I literally have just this one thing as it is, you know, that shows that I'm obviously in a wheelchair. I'm not faking. Like this is nothing to fake about. Like nothing at all to play about. It's not funny. It's not a toy. It's not a game. This is real life. Like real life. It's not fun. So, but it was where for me, once again, it was something that I didn't teach you. Yeah. And it was something I didn't teach you because if, I mean, I'm going to just be honest. It was my own selfishness. It was, I didn't want to identify you having a disability. Yeah. I didn't want to see you as being handicapped. And I didn't want to see you as needing someone to feel sorry for you. I taught you how to be very independent. And there was going to become a time where you needed for safety purposes to be in the front. Now, don't get me wrong. We took advantage of the opportunities mm-hmm. when we needed to. Right. At six, Still with no handicap uh, sticker. <laughs> at Six Flats, we went to the front of the line. Yeah. We didn't have to park. We didn't you have to wait in the back. rides <laughs> until you get dizzy, throw up, and go home. Yes. <laughs> at all theme parks, we didn't have to wait in the long line. So we took advantage of it. But- those were the courtesies of, you know, those the fun things that we could laugh about that we took advantage of. You know, you being in a wheelchair, uh, even at the airport, we got VIP service. We didn't have to wait in the long TSA line. We went straight to the front. Right. When I travel without you, I miss you because <laughs> I have to wait in that line. Look, that's good for <laughs> But it is where... um I could laugh about these things, but I could also understand to say that as your mother, because I was there, I had you. I you I had your back. So there was no need for you to need that handicap sticker or that decal. Because if I parked in the back, if you couldn't roll to the front, I was going to push you the rest of the way. And so those are the things where when you needed that decal, because now you had to take it, it was where, okay, okay, world, your daughter is on her own. And that ticket didn't come in her name. It came in my name. It sure did. And I was like, "Uh uh-uh. Didn't it say my mama name? I was like, where he at? (laughs) Like, he need to get here now. (laughs) So it's like Maria, Maria got a ticket. (laughs) Maria didn't even park in that spot. So um, it was where at the time I was like, okay, I knew the process. I knew what needed to be done. And even allowing you and telling you what you needed to do to get it. But it it was something that I limited you from because once you got it, you felt like it was just another piece of freedom from you. Mm. For you, excuse me. And... It was where, um, it was a lesson learned that day. 
Yeah, and it opened my eyes to a lot of things, too. And I feel like that also is, like, that's a part of managing daily tasks, too, especially with being a disabled individual. Like, um, that's handling my business. Like, I am a disabled individual. Like, doesn't mean, like, oh, my gosh, the chair is going to define me. No, it just means, like, stop forgetting that you are in this wheelchair. You obviously cannot walk. You know what I mean? Like, this real stuff. Like, I cannot walk. I cannot park, like, so close to a car and think my wheel, my door is going to open out and then I'm going to just pick the wheelchair up and assemble the wheels and do everything within that tight space. No, I need some space. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I had to basically manage myself and, like, keep myself calm. I was... A little calm, you know, for the most part, I just was like, kind of just like, what do I do to get what I need? You know, like I'm advocating for myself, um, you know, and then with me being in college, an hour and a half away from my hometown, I really don't know what to do in this town, you know, so I'm having to kind of just be like, okay, what do I, where are the resources at, you know? And they're like, and the officer said, like, here's my number, like, text me if you have any questions with anything, if you get another ticket, I'm the chief, so I'm going to come and remove that ticket from you until you get what you need, you know? And so that was me advocating for myself from the minute I got the ticket, like the minute I got it, you know? And but so, you did it and yeah. you did it less than 24 hours. It so. was less than 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and when you told the story, it was where um, I just... I, I mean, I was, although I was on the phone, like I was, I couldn't have been more proud of you because I was like, this is definitely your child. <laughs> <laughs> this literally. is literally your child. But I also understood that you're going to be okay. Yeah. That I had to allow you to, to be able to experience that. Something that I had been holding shelter from you your entire life, limiting you. And once you got it, you walked into the place. And although you got there and I it walked? was- You rolled, oh. girl. She rolled into there. And sorry. You rolled in there and you got what you needed. Right. And because you got what you needed- um. It was where they knew exactly who you were because of who you are mm -hmm. and what you are, not because of what you had. Mm -hmm. And it was less than, what, 10 minutes you got it and yeah, you had you're it. Yeah, when I went to the tag place. Yes. Yeah, and it was also clutch, too, because the lady that was in there was a church friend um, of my great grandmother, which my great grandmother is still alive. Thank God for that. And um, she was like, "Yeah, you're Miriam's great granddaughter. We're gonna do that." And I didn't have no doctor sign nothing. She said, "I ain't need nothing. Only thing I had to do was sign my signature at the bottom of the paper, and the whole paper was blank." And they just because they knew, she said, "Baby, you should have been had that." I said, "But we ain't talking about what I should have been had." You know, in my head, I'm just like, "Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for allowing me to come in here." And get what I need because it was obviously a necessity. That's something that I obviously should have been had, you know. Yes. And now when I do get my um, decal on my tag, 
you know, I'm going to give my handicap sticker to my mom, you know, so that when I ride with her, she'll be able to have it on her car. And also she has a disability as well, which her disability allows her not to really be in the heat for so long, you know, because you may have flare up or whatever the case is. I don't know. You could talk more about it. I don't really know. I just know you have multiple sclerosis. I don't really know about it because I'm you don't tell me gonna, about it. Uh, I'm not going to park in a handicap unless she's with me. She is. I will allow <laughs> other individuals with disabilities to park in a handicap. <laughs> I will continue to park in the back and allow other individuals with visible disabilities or disabilities that require them to be able to walk or roll to the front without the limitations that I currently have. If I am experiencing right. an exacerbation of my illness, mm -hmm. then that's a, that's a different story. Okay. However... Use it. You better use it. And, but right now, that's what it's for. I'm, I, I don't need it. So, right. But it's for you. It's for your, it's for your disability. And... That's what really, truly, truly, truly matters. We've right. we've gone 19 years without mm -hmm. one, and I don't I think today is gonna <laughs> make any difference of us really needing one for me specifically. Um, but I can say that that was a time where just you seeing how you advocated for yourself and being able to take something. From the beginning to the end and understanding that this was a necessity. Right. Um, and that you, you know, I was there as guidance, but I didn't hold your hand to get it. Right. Okay. Awesome. And another one is maintaining family bonds. <laughs> that, was a, that was a big one. Do you want to go first or you want me to go first? Uh, it's. Maintaining family bonds has been something that me and you have um, been working on for the last three and a half years. Right. It's been something where you could have never told me that it was something that was broken. Um, but things happen. And because of those things happening, I think that's where you learn that we would say that was a good mom, bad mom. Mm hmm I was the mom that you always knew as the good mom, the mom that gave me everything. But once you start exhibiting the mental health issues, the the disciplinary behavior issues, it was where I became the bad mom. Bad mom not in a way of bad mom where could be perceived as what you thought it was perceived it was bad mom in a way of, okay, you're going to have to strip away the things that you're rewarding her for because she's not really needing those things to be rewarded. Now right. you're going to have to give her the disciplinary or even give her life lessons to now help save her from herself. And that is how you, you really looked at me as a bad mom. But... I felt that even me, once again, I can go back to being a mother, being an advocate, being a caretaker, where as your mother, 
I knew you needed the mental health. Yeah. As a caretaker, I understood why you needed it and sought the services for you to get them. But as a mother, I couldn't see myself just letting go. Right. Because I was all you had. And in my mind, I was, you was all I had. But it wasn't necessarily the case. Um, I think even now, our relationship and our bond with each other is where you see me as still that good mom, bad mom, where I I block you on my phone. And if I don't block you, I just don't answer. And it's not that I don't love you. It's just where July 2020, I surrendered destiny to God. And I was given an assignment. My assignment was to continue to be your mother, to continue to be your advocate, to continue to be your manager, to continue to be your caretaker. But when it came to the disciplinary part of you, when it came to the part of giving you any guidance that needed to be reformed, that I gave you to God. And those were the lessons that was the only way that you were going to be able to learn from your mistakes right? because I could no longer give you that. And so when we have disagreements, it's not that I don't love you. It's not that I don't care about you. But when I block you is where you're a distraction. And when I say distraction, it's where... I'm praying for you at a time when you otherwise may not be praying for yourself. I'm praying to God to give me the strength as a mother to be able to be there for you. But at that time, I know my assignment. Right. And if I constantly allow you into my space as I'm praying for you, I don't know what could have happened. And I'll give you an instance. Um, I'll give you an example, excuse me. Um, when you had that car accident. Which one? The hmm. one where you didn't Where's listen it? to me about getting the car fixed Which and you didn't get the you didn't get the, the brakes. Cadillac? Yeah. The Cadillac. Where I had to threaten you just to get the oil change. I had to threaten you just to get the tires changed. And I begged you to get those brakes looked at. And you didn't. And during that time, because you didn't listen to me, I blocked you. And you had a very, very bad wreck. Mm -hmm. So bad that you could have died. You struck a tree. Yeah, I hit a tree. And then my car flew and hit the neighborhood sign. I just jumped out of the car. Wheelchair still in there. Yeah. Like I just jumped out. The car flipped. You you could have you could have died. You could have got ejected from out of the car. And I just remember I was out of town and my mom and mama called me hysterical. 
Destiny's been in a, a wreck. Car, blah, 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 blah. La, la, la. Breaks everything. And I just remember to asking her, how did you get this call? And she said, Destiny called me. I said, okay. I said, all right, I'll call you back. And she, she didn't understand that. But I knew at that moment that I understood my assignment because I was still praying. But it, it didn't call for me to unblock you because I didn't unblock you. You were still blocked. <laughs> because at that time, I knew, well, okay, well, she called. <laughs> She's still alive. She's breathing. So there was nothing that I could do because she was at the hospital. She was getting all the services she needed. To show up would have not continued to allow God to teach you the lesson that you needed to learn from this example. I agree. And I didn't unblock you. And Mama continued and said, are you going to do this? Are you going to call her? I said, no, not yet. She's okay. She'll be all right. She didn't need it. She had to do this. She had to do that. She doesn't have transportation. You had just started school. She can't do this. I said, mama, she's fine. I know she's fine. And eventually, God said, unblock her. I unblock you. I text you. And I continue to then move on, and we build our relationship. But every time you get to that point where you and me can't have a clear channel of communication, yeah, I, I block you. I think that's, yeah. And that's is, my barrier. I wouldn't say block. I just think we should just be like, okay, let's just take space. We're used to those words. Take space, take a break. That's boundaries. Yes. I don't think, I think blocking is kind of just like, that's just you just being you. Like, you know. Really? That's yeah. me? But, but then just hear me out. I feel like that's just, that's not good though. Because then it's like, really? don't unblock me, you know? Like, just keep me blocked. But it's like, no. like I thought that's it was not- a step up from just not deactivating your phone. Well, if you do that, and I just get another service, and then really, did who's blocked? Did you block? Because now you don't got my new number. So, so you know what I mean? Can you really do that? Because yeah, I've been paying your cell phone bill since you got one. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that. Yeah, but, exactly. But yeah. like I'm saying, that's what I'm saying. So when you have your own financial good, freedom though. and you could pay your own cell phone bill, then well, I can't pay it. I just don't want to pay. My exactly. Own cell phone Once again. <laughs> Once again, that needs to be a boundary. So if I'm paying the bill and I don't want to talk to you because (laughs) I'm praying for you and I don't want that channel to be disrupted, I have a... Okay, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am is the answer. Thank you. (laughs) That's all I got to say. Okay. But I just feel like we shouldn't block each other. We're adults. Well... And we can. I'm, I'm the mother. I'm small. You're big. Okay. And there's nothing that you can All do right. about it. Okay. So <laughs> when it comes to 
me and you and that clear channel, that's how I choose to keep my boundary with you. Okay. Um, just the last time, I didn't block you. I just hung up the phone in mid-sentence. Oh, yeah. Oh, Lord. I said, click. But you you knew that oh, I didn't lose service. Oh, but don't do that because then you said, well, why I haven't talked to you? And I told you because you said what you said. You hung up the phone. But see, you can't expect me to call you after you treat me like that, you know? Because now I'm blocking you. I'm taking my space. I ain't blocking you physically because I don't do that. But mm. I'm just going to take my space and learn from what I did. And that's because what you know, I want that's you how to do. I am. And because and I do that. I learn from what I did. And I'll be like, like how I text you Sunday. But we didn't have nothing going on Sunday. It was just, no, just you know, Sunday, just church. Church yes. was church. And so it was like, okay, you can have that breakthrough from church. And so I realized, like, damn, like I really have been treating my family, my mom, my loved ones around me that I love, my friends, bad because of my past trauma. And now with me understanding that, that's not cute. But even you know? when you said, do you forgive me? What mm-hmm. was my response? You said, I've been forgive you. I mean, I've been forgave you. But it was like, I don't know. I just said that because it was like I wanted to see like if we were on the same page. You we, know? we are on the In same that page. forgiveness journey because I've forgiven you. You know what I mean? For Many things, you know, but it's like, it's like you kind of realize, well, did you really forgive that person? Because it's like you keep bringing up stuff that they've done. And it's like, well, that's not, you didn't forgive them, you know? And so it's like, I just wanted to just, you know, I was emotional. I don't know what was going on Sundays. Church was just churching. No, church was great. Church was good. Church was great. But church was also where forgiveness for you, it was more so where you probably did and i forgave my dad again i forgave my dad again you can't say again no just like no because i've already done it but it was like lord if i if i you know i'm not forgiving him the way i need to just forgive him like just allow me to forgive him like you know and i came up with this thing i know you're probably but that's just silly but i'm gonna get his name tatted on me Mm -hmm. like and i feel like that's gonna be good for me for my trauma so that i can see you know, basically why I'm the way I am and just move forward. Just completely just move forward. I, I ain't got to say too much. That's your father. I can't I stop gotta, you from doing hey, what you want to do. You know, he don't know about that. But, you know, I'm pretty sure he wouldn't care. But uh, but that's just how I'm choosing to deal with my trauma, you know. and so, That's fine. However you choose to cope, that's those are your, those are the steps that you have to take for yourself. Yeah. But what I can say is, is that, when it comes to me and your relationship, right. our boundaries are there. And when we go back and forth and I'm trying to explain something to you and you're telling me I know, well, then that's the end of the sentence. Do Conversation it. is over. Right. Okay. And that's why I hung up. We ain't talking about that again. I'm just saying. That was the end of the conversation. Okay. So, but. Fair enough. Thank you. <laughs> that's all I wanted. That's all I wanted. Just thank you. Um, but it is where you have to understand where I come from. With right. it. it's, it's not I easy. do after you do stuff like that or I take it upon myself to understand. Like I put myself in your shoes all the time. All the time. To the point where 
I've been doing it since I was little, you walking in her feet. I've been walking in her shoes. Yo, yeah, like, always... because it's like, that's how I would internalize things. And now externalizing, I put myself in your shoes by just understanding like that I'm blessed and that you know everything, you know, why I have everything that I have. And because of God, most importantly, for giving you that strength because you ain't get it from just nowhere because I'm pretty sure just like any other mom that haven't got this key point or, you know, just mental connection with themselves, you could have gave up a long time ago. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about day one. Like, day one. So, you know, I just feel like we go through what we go through because it's just maybe destined for us to go through this. Not saying, oh, we need to be on Real Housewives of Augusta. You know what I mean? Um, But... It just shows that we have that, you know, connection and we just have a story to tell. And that's just that, you know. Of course. We're here. We are here not. We're here to help other people understand from our story. That this is real life. Yeah. That we're human. Right. Just like everybody else. We're not perfect. We're not perfect at all. We are two individuals who have, for the last 19 years have experienced trauma, right? mental health issues right. on my end, as well as yours. I, as While you was doing therapy, I was doing therapy as well. Right. Um, we did therapy together. We did therapy as a family. Um, I learned some things. You learned things. I had people I had to forgive. I had people who I had to ask to forgive me as well. Right. But it is where we're here today and... Sometimes people look at us and say we're perfect. Yeah, no, far from that. But far from perfect. Thanks for the gesture. But uh, but <laughs> we're far from perfect. Right. But we did the work. Right. We're doing the we're work. Doing the work. We're Still doing, doing the work because tomorrow has its own problems. You know. Yes. So, but even with those problems, we have done so much of the work. Right. That we know number one to remember where he has brought us from. Awesome. Yeah. To trust the process, because if he got us from out of that, yeah, he can get us from out of this, right? And to continue to build our faith, right? Because true. every situation, there are going to be trials and tribulations, but it's the perseverance, it's the determination, and destiny, it's the mad woman mm-hmm. in Maria, and it's just really, truly, you. The girl in the wheelchair who they would always say, you're going to get a speeding ticket in your chair. And so, it, but it's always been where I would always tell you, the chair is supposed to be cute. Right. And people would say it was cute when you was a little girl. I didn't understand what was cute about you having a wheelchair. Or being someone in a chair. Right. But I did understand that when you got older, as a young adult, where you are today, I didn't see that 19 years ago. Right. But I see it today. Right. And I I had to prepare you for that. I think you did a good job. A very good job. Thank you. So. But (laughs) you now, once again, that's what you're getting for Christmas. Advocacy. Right. right. And also a caretaker. Right. 
you now have to continue on to be those things for yourself. I choose to want to be your mom and your manager of the girl in the wheelchair. And I choose to press on and continue to be great and an influence for myself, an inspiration to myself and also to others. But we are coming to an end for this episode. I appreciate you for joining me again on this episode. Thank you for having um, me. Yes, you're welcome. And I hope you guys enjoyed as well for the ones that have been listening this far. Also, please don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the Girl in the Wheelchair Podcast. Don't forget to send us a DM of your favorite segment, um, even on this episode or any other episodes that have been filmed. And um, like always, stay connected. And I'll see you next time. Signing off, your host, Destiny Jones.